lump off mom what's wrong with me can you keep your evil doing quiet finn is dealing with some heavy stuff over here unacceptable i'm not cut out for adventuring finn you messed the beat up i just want to sit here and moan then i'll moan with you buddy this is a conversation parade where myself and my co-host John Moe talk about Adventure Time. I was asked, uh, I was on uh, one of our sister podcasts here on the Infinite Guest Network, TBTL. Do we have siblings? We have siblings, apparently, because they refer to us as their brother program. So uh, they said, well, what episode, the, the host said, what episode should I watch to really understand this thing? Because he had watched the pilot episode, or he'd watched the first episode the where all the zombies invade the candy kingdom and he said yeah i just didn't really get it and so i asked people on twitter what what would be the one to get and uh got a lot of different answers the uh the Mm. time sandwich seemed to be one that that people went to look if you really want your sandwich you'll have to solve my little riddle that's the one that made me fall in love with magic man time sandwich where he just he makes a time bubble instead of simply taking the sandwich just to just to be a jerk. I was I was rewatching the first Magic Man episode, which I know to be producer Larissa Anderson's one of her favorite episodes where Finn gets turned into a giant foot. What kind of deal is that? I help somebody out and they make me a stinky foot? And <laughs> and Magic Man won't turn him back until Finn admits what a jerk Magic Man is. That's his only condition. Right, and and cuz he he doesn't want there to be any confusion about there being some sort of moral. Right. Does not want anyone to think that this is a teamwork exercise. No. I just want you to know that I'm a jerk and that you should I'm... not get into my way. I wish I'd never been nice to you because you're just a big jerk. Oh yes, that's it. You finally learned your lesson. On today's show, we're going to talk to Steve Wolfhard, who's a storyboard artist for Adventure Time. I used to have a problem that I used to just write Finn as an idiot. I like I like all the other characters, but Finn. I just wanted to be uncool. I just I just wanted him to trip, <laughs> him to fall in the mud. I I I've completely changed. Now now I really like him. Is there a better last name in the world than Wolfhard? You know what? And you're talking to a guy named Eagle. So so um, if if anyone should argue, it would be me. But I can't. But he's Wolfhard's got Wolfhard's incredible. He's got the animal, and then he's got the adjective too. Exactly. Got, be, <laughs> an animal and a descriptor. So there's no there's no question. You know what I mean? There's I guess no you could go with like eagle flexible or eagle sensitive, but it's. It's not really the same. Yeah, eagle sensitive. Wow. I'm I'm glad I, it's an apt descriptor, but I'm glad that it didn't happen to me. All right, I want to talk about BMO. Who wants to play video games? BMO! BMO! BMO. <laughs> no, that's the wrong voice. I'm going to get it sooner or later. I'm going to get it. As we've talked about all the relationships on the show uh, between Finn and Jake and Bubblegum and Flame Princess and Ice King and all these things, I think it's almost easy to overlook BMO because BMO doesn't really have any relationship outside of Finn and Jake because BMO rarely uh, ever leaves the house, ever leaves the treehouse, right. or at least the, the property. Um, and when I started thinking about BMO, it's, it's easy. Like, BMO's cute as hell. Everybody, it's obviously the cutest character on the show. But even now, I'm, I'm struggling with it versus 
he or she. So I normally end up saying BMO because BMO is gender fluid. Uh, sometimes, oh. sometimes BMO is referred to as as a boy. Sometimes with female pronouns. Uh, sometimes with no pronouns at all. Um, and there's a good argument that's made in some circles that. BMO can't be boy or girl because BMO is a machine. Don't you know what machines are? <laughs> <laughs> which is a which is a very good point. And the more I, I started looking at this, the more there was uh, BMO as both sides of an opposite. So BMO is a boy and a girl. BMO is a home entertainment machine. Uh, a, an appliance, really, but also a friend and companion. BMO is a child and very childlike about a lot of things, uh, but also possibly more wise than Finn and Jake and right. uh, seems to be the one who takes care of things around the house a little bit more, makes sure that the household is running much like uh, parents need to, um, right. and also lives... In two worlds, if if fantasy and reality are opposites, there are certainly many practical uh, ways in which BMO lives. But there is also uh, this incredibly rich fantasy life in oh the form. Boy, is it? Is there ever <laughs> in the form of football, which is the name BMO gives to uh, BMO's reflection in the mirror? Well, hello there. Oh, hello. Who are you? My name is football. What's yours? I am BMO. Also, the the much heralded and deservedly so BMO Noir episode. It looked like a tough case to crack, but I hate to see good friends fight, so I decide to take the case. What an amazing piece of piece of uh, piece of cartoon that <laughs> is, man. That is an incredible work. It really, it's and it sort of breaks format from from the rest of the show. It's not necessarily a go out on an adventure, meet a monster, learn a lesson kind of thing. It's it's Bimo left alone in the house to solve a mystery, 1940s style, of Finn's missing sock. A, a sock that Finn seems to go through his day perfectly okay without. Yeah. But Bimo makes up this entire uh, layered yarn filled with romance and deceit. Yes. Uh, and trying to solve this mystery is pretty nutty. With the objects around the house and the the animals around the house, including, I think, a rat. I know a chicken uh-huh. named Lorraine. Where is the sock, Lorraine? What make you think I know? I saw your lipstick on his fur. So don't act so cute. And I think it's a remote control named control. Bebe. Yeah, a remote control named Bebe. <laughs> I think it's it's one of these things where, like, whatever you think BMO is, BMO is probably that and the opposite of that happening at the same time. I, w- I rewatched that BMO Noir episode the other day, yeah. and one thing that struck me about it was that I think the first time I saw it, I was just looking at it for the mystery story. And I thought, this is cool. They kind of uh, did this noir episode. The color palette's different. Just, uh, Right, exactly. Um, and it's all inside of BMO's mind. But I, in my suspension of disbelief, the first time I saw it, didn't really pay attention to the fact that 
Bimo was voicing all of these other characters and objects right. in the house as the story is being told. Where is the sock, baby? <coughs> I don't know nothing about socks. Don't play dumb, baby. Don't play dumb with me. <coughs> it's not only Bimo telling the story, but it's Bimo giving the dialogue to the other characters and creating all of these emotional tensions uh -huh. in this story that's unfolding simply via Bimo telling it. You know, right? Well, you're you're conditioned to suspend the disbelief, though, for the purpose of the entire show and for storytelling in general i guess but for for the show you're like oh okay so it's a uh, some sort of post-apocalyptic world where a boy lives with a dog who has magic stretchy powers and there's a princess made of gum okay go and uh, so you know to to then go into this film noir world where there's a chicken named lorraine who has ulterior motives doesn't seem that hard to right. do you know what I have a question, John. Yes. Who put the lipstick on the chicken? That's the real mystery. <laughs> I was just thinking about. I was thinking about how to bring up that Lorraine the chicken had lipstick. I think it had to be Bimo, it, right? Right, but like when? <laughs> did did Bimo put the lipstick on the chicken like earlier in the day? With that lipstick, she looked as beautiful as ever. Now, with Bimo, if you're talking about Bimo, we also have to talk about the Be More episode, which is Bimo's origin of story course. episode. Bimo, uh, for some reason, uh, erases critical system files, needs to return to the factory from whence Bimo sprang and get uh, an upgrade or get repaired in some way. 47.3% of Moe's eventually return to the factory for assorted sentimental biz. Finn and Jake go along posing as uh, Moe uh, models themselves because apparently BMO is one of every letter in the alphabet. Ha there's an A Mo, there's a B Mo, mm -hmm. there's a D, J there's well, a J yeah. Mo, there's a. And so, uh, so they travel there and uh, find out that BMO was. Made by, made by this old man named Mo. Finn says, "Are you human? Because there, we have yet to meet any other humans in the land of Ooh." And he just says, "My skin's human." And then he leaves it at that. <laughs> and uh, and it turned out he had made Bimo uh, to be a companion for his son, but he never married and he never had any kids. And so he sent Bimo out in the world so that he could help somebody, help raise some other boy somewhere else. It's leading up to, oh, Bimo's been raising Finn and sort of Jake all along. I built Bimo to understand fun and how to play. You see, I made Bimo to be more. Maybe if if BMO is short for be more, maybe that's the answer to this uh, opposite duality that that mm. BMO has. So it's it's not that he's it's not that he slash she it's not that BMO is a boy or a girl or even a boy and a girl, but maybe more than a boy and girl, more than right. a video game system, more than a friend, more than more a roommate. Than a roommate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's always a little bit more than than you expect. Be more. Wow. Yeah. Heavy. I think you've solved it. I think you've solved our first mystery. <laughs> right. I think you've done it. <laughs> exactly. It's it, it's all Lorraine's fault. 
I, I just put I just put the lipstick on the chicken is what I just did. <laughs> that is a phrase, isn't it? That's right. Isn't, oh, it's a pig. It's yeah. a pig. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. With that lipstick, she looked as beautiful as ever. All right, moving on. What do you got? <laughs> oh, what do I have? I have, uh, as I was starting to watch, I was starting to take note of how many characters in the world of Adventure Time seem to be motivated by lost connections to other lost characters. Connections. connections um from their past. For example, uh, one of my favorite characters is Tiffany. Tiffany! 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 From uh Jake's old gang and Tiffany desperately wants to murder Finn and the reason why is because he feels that Finn has taken away his connection to Jake and he longs mm-hmm for that connection again he wants to reform the old gang and he feels like Finn is in the way so his main motivation um, is a reconnection with Jake and it's interesting to think about because he doesn't want to murder Jake's family or his children or his wife or any of that but he does want to murder the new best friend I don't know how the gang thing is going to work you know with the family but he's not thinking about all that he just wants to murder Finn Jake will be devastated You'll need a shoulder to cry when I need Finn-style tears on. And that shoulder will be mine. Tiffany's! Well, and it's this, uh, it's this sort of creepy mentality of, you know, if I, if I murder the person that the person I love is with, then the person I love will come back to me. Exactly. Clearly they, they will, will be so impressed by, 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 by my expression skills. of love. Yes. <laughs> then they'll know how much I care and then we'll be fine. We'll be in a very healthy relationship. You murdered my best friend for me? Wow, I wow. am so flattered. <laughs> Let's go to the mall. Uh, so a longing for the past and a reconnection with Tiffany. Who else has this? Magic Man, another character oh, that I love Magic a lot. Man. Um, whether he overtly says it or not, a, a big part of his personality is based on him having lost his connection to his former wife, Margles. Margles. I looked everywhere, you know. So what? Every dimension, every dead world. Apparently in his backstory, he was... A very powerful guy on Mars who was generally very well liked until some event happened on the Olympus Mons where he lost Markles. Magic Man! I remember when you were really cool before that night you spent on Olympus Mons with Margles. And from that point forward, he kind of snapped and began to release plagues on Mars, uh, one of them being the hair plague. Do you know about the hair plague, John? Oh, the hair plague is so disgusting, but please describe it. Oh, it's it's the best plague ever. Um, <laughs> Magic Man changes all of the water on Mars into hair. Oh. And eventually, all of the citizens of Mars become so thirsty that they must drink the hair. And when we drank it, we went bald. Many of us did not recover. <laughs> that was one of the four plagues that Magic Man um, released upon the people. But he's basically, his his personality has been warped by this kind of deep sadness for that lost connection. And he's on Earth kind of serving a jail sentence that could end in any moment if he were able to see the value in other people. Uh-huh. He's basically on, on Earth to learn the value of other people. But he just can't seem to do that. He can't do it. He has a magical Martian transporter that if he just even for a moment was able to value other people, he'd be able to get on it and go back to Mars immediately. (laughs) But he can't do that. So he thinks the transporter is broken. Oh, man. I know people like that. 
(laughs) (laughs) I know people who just, if they could just let things go and if they could just, you know, get their, pull their head out and be nice to people once in a while, everything would change, but they just can't do it. So his lost connection has kind of caused him to lose his mind and change his entire life. It's, It's the... It's the miserable characters who have this this longing for the past because then a lot of other characters don't have that at all. Princess Bubblegum is thousands of years old, uh, has had has had pastry boyfriends in the past who I assume have now been <laughs> dead for a long time, but uh, but doesn't really seem to dwell on it. Just sort of keeps moving on. She moves a little too. Uh, too fast for me. Yeah, I, I have questions. I have must you know. Um, since we've been doing this show, I've you know my 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 thoughts about Princess Bubblegum have changed quite a bit, and I'm starting to really um, be concerned with her and her lack of history, or, or, or her lack of uh, discussed history. And I'm wondering, like, what is what is her past like? Mm. like? What how she's been around for thousands of years, and she's the creator of every thing in the candy kingdom but she's candy and who created her i want to know who's her glob right 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 yeah it's it's like uh it's like what scientists tell you about the big bang like because my question about the big bang is well what what banged it and how did (laughs) what was there before the big bang like i i imagine a big white space but then no and uh, the scientific explanation always seems to be, d- stop worrying about it. Just don't talk about it. <laughs> because that, You're going to get yourself a headache. Yeah, because before that, there was no time for there to be something there before. It just, that was the invention of time as we know it. And I can't, I'm not that smart. I can't, I can't really hang with that. And I guess I just never, th- I figured the, so many of these uh, beings uh, evolved through some form of uh, radiation, toxic mutation right. uh, in in the aftermath of the Mushroom Wars. Certainly, Princess Bubblegum believes that because in uh, in one of the episodes where where Starchy is sick and and wants to be treated with magic instead of medicine, uh, she she is very pro science and anti magic. She thinks all magic can be explained through through some form of science. But uh, but yeah, so so you you have a mistrust of uh, how much how little of the past she's willing to talk about, right? Especially since um, we, you know, as as viewers of Adventure Time, we basically live in her world mm-hmm. that she's created. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think there's a lot of story to tell there. Like, who is she? How was she created? And and why does she not want to talk to anybody about that? Right. You think there's something nefarious? You think there's ah, uh, you know, it's you know something. That peppermint butler, he's doing he's doing all that stuff for a reason. So <laughs> I don't know. It might be connected. We'll see. I don't know. Do you have that that longing for the past? Do you think? Do you idealize the past and are made miserable by the impossibility of returning to it? Hmm. Um, it's kind of hard to say. I do think that there is a certain longing for the time and space, speaking of quantum physics, that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've been living in Los Angeles for 10 years now, and it's where I live, and I don't really want to live anywhere else necessarily. But when people, and I, but I don't necessarily like it here. Uh-huh. And um, 
when people ask me where I would like to live, the best answer I can give them is Chicago 15 years ago. Mm. Like, there's like not Chicago now. It's like, go there now, and all the buildings are weird, and everything's upside down, and there's new street signs and stuff that generally makes me feel icky. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and there's no way to really recapture what I've left behind. So uh, I don't get the sense of anywhere being home. And so in a sense, yeah, like that that kind of uh, longing is certainly present within me. And I think that comes across a little bit in my in my work, too. Yeah. Where where do you think that shows up? Hmm. I, I think just in in how I, I like to uh, really indulge in very minute like in very trivial pop culture of the past uh-huh. like things that impressed upon me you know I'll, I'll start singing the old police academy theme song from the from the cartoon show that nobody remembers but me but it was very important to me i memorized it you know so i feel like i can still go there it's still valuable to me you know but it's 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 pointing to things from the past that were important to me that i think the the underlying desire is that i wish they were important to everybody mm, right yeah I, I i relate to the idea of the chicago 15 years in the past i with uh with the seattle that i grew up in right versus the seattle that's there now i i mean for one thing i don't know if i don't know who can afford to to live there now i think it's people a lot smarter than me but it's people who <laughs> who moved there from somewhere else uh to get these high paying jobs in in technology and the seattle area that i grew up in um you know get get a few miles outside the city and you'd probably see some bears <laughs> you'd probably <laughs> at least see some thick woods it was just this weird sort of logging town that that got a little bit bigger than a logging town and then like it was very much a sort of weird town tucked up in the upper left hand corner that that nobody thought of and so it just grew in its own weird way but then uh it got so popular and so big so fast that I'm like well I I had affection for where I'm from but that place just went away that place stopped existing and so I guess I need to leave, you know? Yeah, we used to, uh, when I first started touring, me and my rap buddies, we used to call um, the entire Northwest the Miraculous Rap Forest. (laughs) Why is that? It all felt felt very magical, and it all felt, um, especially in terms of rap music, like there were people there who were tucked away and really enjoyed... um, the rap music from the past in certain eras uh-huh. uh, like they like they were being preserved there in people's people's minds but just a general sense of of, of forest you know magic all around <laughs> it just it felt different magic Steve Wolfhard is a storyboard artist for Adventure Time. He's boarded some Lemon Grab episodes, some Grables episodes, episodes about BMO, including BMO Lost and Be More, for which he was nominated for an Emmy. I asked Steve how he goes about making an episode of Adventure Time. It's a storyboard-driven show rather than a script-driven show. So we get the, uh, an outline rather than a script. And the outline's about two pages long and won't have any uh, dialogue, or very very little dialogue in it. And from there... Uh, the board artists, um, I can't speak for other board artists. We, we tend to change the, uh, the outline uh, the way that, to, to sort of suit what we want to say in the episode. The board artists 
uh, have a lot, a lot to say in, in the way that the uh, episodes come out. So we'll, we'll get the outline, and then we'll design the, uh, the characters and the locations, and then, um, at least the way I do it, then I'll just start writing jokes and coming up with set pieces, and then sort of drape the rest of the episode around that. At that point, then basically the script comes from that process? Yeah, so I'll just write it as, as I go, really. I think that's one of the reasons why um, different board artists uh, have such different uh, writing styles. I think a lot of people are writing from their own voices on the show. I think uh, Finn, especially, can be a bit of a cipher, depending on who's, who's boarding him. I used to have a problem that I used to just write Finn as an idiot. That, that, that's, that's the Finn I like. <laughs> <laughs> he was just... If you, I did the first half of the Lemon Hope uh, two-parter, and if you look at Finn and, and okay. that, he's he's just he's just a a moron. Hey Finn, listen, that's it for class today. Whoop! But read the next three chapters of your geometry text. Well, at least he's street smart. Meanwhile, uh, Jesse uh, Moynihan writes him. They really changed the way I, I, I wrote the character because uh, Jesse writes him with so much uh, respect. Jesse writes him, he's a, he's a really cool guy, and I'm always looking for Finn just to hit himself in the head or, or fall over. Now, is, do you prefer him to be more uh, dumb for humor's sake, or does that drive the, the, is that like more of an engine to drive a story forward? I think, and I've changed, I've completely changed, but I think there was a point where I just wasn't interested in Finn. I like I liked all the other characters, but Finn, I just wanted to be uncool. I just I just wanted him to trip, <laughs> him to fall in the mud. <laughs> I, 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 I've completely changed. Now, now I really like him. Now I, uh, uh, the, the episodes I've, I've been writing lately, he's, he's definitely, uh, I, I, I have more respect for him as a person. But, uh, yeah, in the beginning, I don't know what was wrong with me. No, I think it makes sense, though, because he was, he was like a preteen, and he went through puberty, so he's supposed to be awkward and trip over things and, and goof things up. Now, yeah, he should be at least at the beginning of being a respectable adult. Absolutely. And it's nice that since he's growing, <laughs> uh, any inconsistencies with this character can be just blamed on, blamed on puberty. <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of characters you may have more of an affinity for, you've sure. worked on some BMO episodes, um, yeah. including Be More, which was nominated for an Emmy. Like, how cool was that? That was really neat. That's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Also, in, in Be More, uh, I, I, it's really, I have a really strong connection with it because um, I think that I usually don't do this, but I kind of rewrote the character of Mo, BMO's father, for that one. Uh, Penn really wanted Mo to be sort of this, um, almost a, a Spider-Man, like, like just covered in hoses and just, just kind of frightening. And I just wanted, mm. um, oh, what's his name from, uh, from MASH? <laughs> Jamie Farr. I just wanted Jamie Farr. And so I just wanted him like just this happy, tanned man. So yeah, I like it. <laughs> Happy Tanned Man. <laughs> yeah, just just nothing nothing scary about him. Do you ever encounter any um any pushback when you want to kind of put your own spin on a character? Absolutely. Um, I have this. <laughs> I I don't know how how um uh, earned this is, but I have a reputation for wanting to to kill characters. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like I wrote the part. 
I don't know if you remember uh, when one lemon grab eats the other lemon grab. Only one! Yes, that's one of my favorite things that has happened. Oh, that's really, that's really <laughs> cool. Yeah, in the outline, uh, that part of the outline just said one lemon grab gets angry at the other lemon grab. And, and, I, and I decided that I wanted one to eat them, the other one. Uh, but thank goodness Adam uh, stepped in because I I had written that as that was going to be the death of one of the lemon grabs. I, like, oh. I, I love that stuff. I love a, a character with, <laughs> with an ending. I once kind of over over lunch pitched an episode about like Bimo's funeral. <laughs> I thought he'd be fine. He'd come out. He, he would he would get fixed. But I'm I yeah I think that's the. Where I get the most pushback, and I think it's—I think it's reasonable. So when when Adam stepped in and said, "Okay, uh, this isn't the end of of Lemon Grab," like how did how did it change? How did it be- since he's since he was still one of them was still eaten? How did it become like not his death at that point? Uh, I think that's just one of the more interesting. I think that's my favorite thing about Lemon Grab is that his story just kept changing. That every Lemon Grab episode, Lemon Grab is going through a completely different life thing, and I think that was. I put them in a situation, which they liked. I, I didn't. I didn't force anyone, but the, I put them in the position where when, uh, where Lemon White was eaten by Lemon Black, and they just moved on from there. And I think it was right. <laughs> just I kept going. Tom. I think it was my partner Tom Herfick, who came up with the design of uh, a legless lemon grab with a bite out of his head. And I think that's really interesting because that kind of the next. Like like uh, the Lemon Hope episode, you just moving on from the dynamics of what happens when you have mm. these two characters who start out exactly the same, and basically one gets bigger than the other, and, and everything goes right. out of whack. And I, yeah, I think that, I, I think that's way better than one of them dying. I would assume then that Lemon Grab is one of the characters you sort of gravitate to and and uh, enjoy working with. Do you think that? Uh, there's things that you see in Lemon Grab that maybe some of the other artists don't? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was actually had a really hard time writing Lemon Grab. I, uh, it was Tom Herping and Jesse Moynihan who did the first Lemon Grab episode, Too Young, which I think is, is perfect. And I think, mm-hmm. honestly, with Lemon Grab, I like writing crazy characters. I think I always felt more comfortable right. writing his, um, his creations, the, the sort of the Lemon Gentry and Lemon Hope, because I think I whenever I wrote Lemon Grab, and I like writing Lemon Grab, I was just trying to think, like, what what would Tom write about this, or what would Jesse write about this? But when it came to his citizens, I think that's where when I went, got to go crazy. Oh, right, right, right. You got to create the entire Lemon world, Lim- the earldom. The earldom, yeah. Say. Or as you said. <laughs> <laughs> but I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to get back to... Uh, to Bimo for a second and yeah. speaking of characters dying and, and Bimo he almost died yeah. um, but yeah. luckily he's he, <laughs> fortunately he's lived on uh, can uh-huh. you talk a little bit about how that character has evolved over time oh interesting I uh, I think I think Bimo's interesting I, I almost don't want I, I, I like more episodes about Bimo we also Tom and I also did mm-hmm. Bimo Lost where Bimo goes into the woods and basically mm-hmm. has, has a baby. Ah! It's a baby! What's a baby doing in the wilderness? He must be lost, like us! Uh, I, I, I like 
these episodes uh, where BMO does things, and we learn more about BMO. But I also like the idea of BMO never changing. Um, mm. I'm I'm really obsessed with the idea of what uh, Adventure Time would look like a thousand years from this timeline, uh, like in the the Grable's episode. And I like the idea of that even a thousand years from now, BMO is still like a five five year old child. Do you you know and, and and that's interesting too when you watch the Be More um episode there is a there's kind of an analogy to like uh, Adventure Time as a whole where um you know Bemo in search of this this software programming has to kind of go to his world and his world is kind of destroyed and, mm-hmm. and his factory is 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 kind of abandoned and it's and, you know and and everything it kind of points to what's going on overall on earth after after the uh, mushroom war, yeah. and uh, is, do you think that it's important to have like a stable character, a stable presence when you know everything else kind of keeps changing in that world? I like, I really like that. I like, I like that there's a character that you can hang your hat on because it's one right. of the things I like about the show that, like, Finn lost his arm and Finn got his arm back, but he still has an arm made out of plant material, like, like nothing, <laughs> like, like Jake. <laughs> Jake's a. I think I suggested in one of the episodes that Jake's a grandfather now. That that like the the world keeps right. keeps changing. And yeah, I really uh, I never thought about that before, but I really like the idea that there's this one. I guess Marceline too. I don't know if Marceline changes. But I love but, Marceline too. I'm a huge Marceline fan. Always a big big fan of every every time we find out more chapters of her backstory. Oh yeah, well uh, this this mini series coming up from the fall. Oh boy! Don't get me too excited. It's, it's good. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's, people are gonna really like it. Um, I'm I'm super excited. You mentioned oh. um a, a second ago uh, about one of the Grables. I wanted to ask you, like, what what is having um stories split up like Grables? What does that give you the opportunity to do as a storyteller? Oh, it's really fun. I you get, thing, you get uh, stories with less consequence that. Uh, it's it's really uh, freeing to say that I'm doing a one minute story where it, nothing really has to happen. If you have a a joke, basically, uh, you can you can do that. Like I was drawing on my board of the Ice King, and his crown is the size of like a thimble, and I don't I don't know what to do with that. Mm. <laughs> I think it's I think it's really funny, but there's no no place for that. But uh, it, Ben and Grable, if, if I have a nice king with a tiny crown, I, I can fill a minute with that. That's fine. Right. It's, it's <laughs> a lot of fun. Are there other characters that you're very excited usually to uh, to work with, or you find more, uh, you, you have more material to tell a story out of than others? Yeah, I think, I, I was thinking about this. I think this is, um, might be self-centered. Uh, I love uh, the King of Ooh. And I feel bad about that because mm. I, I, I came up with the King of Ooh. Because I like Andy Daly so much, I want to he's, come up with a character that Andy Daly could do. Uh, because he hadn't been on the show at that point. King of Ooh, how can you be so wise? I'll tell you how. Did you know that I am eight thousand years old? Could be. I love a liar. Uh, someone like the King of Ooh or Martin, <laughs> someone who's just lying all the time. I, I love doing that. Like Ben Linus from from Lost. Uh, I, I, right. I, I, like I love. I did this part uh, with Martin in um, uh, the Visitor, uh, where he tells the story of Finn's 
childhood. Uh, long story short, you were born on a boat, I guess, like a banana boat in the middle of the ocean. So all kinds of stuff tried to eat you. Whales and fish, squids. Uh, there was a tiger. And it's impossible right. to know whether he's telling the truth. Like, if any aspect of that is true. Yeah. Or it could all be true. I, I think that's so much fun. In my, in my processing of the universe, I held on to it for a long time that, uh, that Martin wasn't Finn's dad. And it was mostly because of that scene. Because oh, really? he was so, like, obviously, obviously lying. I was like, oh, he's just making all of this up. And he thinks there's some <laughs> sort of advantage to, to Finn thinking that he's his father. So he's just, you know, he's just weaving this yarn, you know. Yeah. And, and me and John, uh, my co-host, we'd actually talked about it. And the reason that I don't want him to be his dad is because I don't like him. <laughs> there's a lot of fans who feel like that. When, we, when the Citadel first came out, I, 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 I have a really bad habit. I read all the uh, the fan tumblers. And um, there's so many of them who are like, well, clearly that's not his dad because I hate him. I just hate him. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know if it's in the show. I don't know if anyone in the show has ever had a good dad. Wow. Okay. I never thought about that before. There's there's not a lot of of bad dads. There's a lot of bad dads, though. Like Jake might be the only, and he's not even that great, but he's trying. Yeah, this is something I keep pushing. I think this is something that... um, I mean, uh, other people on the show will go back and forth on. I love the idea that Jake is the is just the worst dad. <laughs> that his kids rejected him their first week, but he didn't fight for it. He just went back and, and lived the life of a child, <laughs> and, and and meanwhile just ignoring his his kids. Um, I don't think that's sticking in the show. Though I think people want Jake to be a good. Dad. You know what? That's funny. I don't. I don't really. I hadn't really realized that, but yeah, he's a dad, but he still lives with Finn in a treehouse. Like, I, for some reason, I, I guess at night, I thought he, but he doesn't, because they show him sleeping in the yeah. treehouse. I had never put that together, really. He's really a horrible absentee father. No, he's a, uh, he's a uh, 30, 34-year-old with a, a a life partner and children, and, and he lives in a, a treehouse with, with his child brother. Where he just plays video games wow. and goes on adventures. That the episode, uh, the Ocarina, where uh, Kim Kilwan, Jake's son, uh, buys the treehouse to try to get his dad to get a job, was was all about that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I want to indict Jake. Dad's already three hours late with the food. You hush, Junior. You know Dad's a wonderful cook. Feel it. When's the last time you even heard from Dad? But no one likes that because Jake's, Jake's so nice. <laughs> no one wants him to be a deadbeat. It's funny, even that episode, right? So that for that moment, you feel like, oh yeah, Jake is a bad dad. But then in the next episode, you completely forget about it, and it becomes okay again. Yeah, he's, he's, he's Bill Murray and Caddyshack. He's, he's, a, he's a fun guy. <laughs> He's like the fun uncle, except that he actually has a family that he's <laughs> ignoring. He has children. Um, who I, in, in the Ocarina, I can't remember if this got cut or not, but I, I had a line where uh, you found out that some of his kids, like Charlie, he has not actually met since they were born. And uh, oh that, 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 that made me laugh that they, uh, that the possibility <laughs> that, that he's just that, that neglectful. But I, I think that got cut. 
I don't think that's the actual actually canon anymore. Yeah, I love Dad and everything, but he's only ever met me twice. I'm starting to see a little pattern here that, that they're having to rein in your dark humor all the time. Huh? <laughs> I, wanna, I, just, I wanna see rough stuff happen. Everyone's so happy. I wanna I want some rough stuff. So Martin and 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 um and who else did we say? We said the King of Ur were yeah. characters you're too excited about. Are there are there characters you're not like terribly fond of, and maybe you just don't have stories for? Uh, I never know what to say about Marceline, and I can't draw Marceline. Mm. I, I'm really bad at drawing Marceline, and uh, I think there's something. I think it's interesting. I love Marceline episodes, but I think the idea that she doesn't uh, get older, that she's I think it's interesting that she's been a teenager for a thousand years, but I don't know what to say about that exactly. Mm. And again, I'm, I'm so bad at drawing her, but I, I really like it when other people do them. I, I really like a Marceline episode. As, an, as a writer, uh, I'm sure there's times when you draw maybe uh, from experiences in your own life and kind of add them to the show. I was wondering if there's like been any story or anything that's happened to you that you like made sure that you referenced or put into a story for Adventure Time. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. I don't know. I don't know. There's been things I've been trying to get in the show that I haven't had room for. Um I had this one thing, and I'll plan to do it, where I thought it would be funny, because I think this is funny, that I was going to have Jake blowing raspberries on, uh, on Lady's bum and, and making her say, excuse me. <laughs> and I've done that because <laughs> I think that's the funniest thing in the world, and I, I have not gotten that in the show yet. But I'd, I'd really like to one day. Oh man, that's great. Um, so, I mean, what else do we have? <laughs> what else do we have to look forward to? I don't want you to give any spoilers or anything, but uh, but I, you know, if you had to say something to wet sure. folks' appetite, I think I'm so impressed. We're just. Uh, going into our eighth season. Wow. And every episode's completely different, and the outlines I'm seeing coming down are still just as exciting and just as creative. I, I didn't think there'd be enough stories by this point, but I think the stuff coming is, is so cool, and there's, there's stuff coming that I think is, is really like big for, for lore as well, like... like answers. And I think we're answering a lot of questions. I do too. But there's definitely more answers coming. That's Steve Wolfhard, storyboard artist for Adventure Time. Conversation Parade, an Adventure Time podcast is a production of the Infinite Guest Network and American Public Media. It's hosted by John Moe and me, Mike Eagle. The Adventure Time end credit song you've heard on this podcast was written and performed by Ashley Erickson. Larissa Anderson produces Conversation Parade. Peter Clowney, Steve Nelson, Stu Newman, all lend support. What do you guys think we should talk about on this podcast? Who should we talk to? What topics should we explore? Let us know. You can tweet at us. I'm at Mike underscore Eagle, and he's at John Moe, J-O-H-N-M-O-E. Or you can send an email to infiniteguest at americanpublicmedia.org.